Thanks for listening to GenTech. We had some audio difficulties, and so you'll hear some noise at the front end of this podcast. I hope it isn't too uh, disruptive for you, but uh, we hope to have that fixed next time. In the meantime, enjoy Episode 5 of Generation Tech. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Well, I just got back from the RV with moments to spare. And then when the ding thing started dinging, it was, I had a whole bunch of notifiers that covered up the answer button. I couldn't see it. <laughs> so I had to move the stuff around so I could uh, answer. You know what call. your problem is, is you have a 12 inch screen. You need something bigger. Oh yeah, that helped. I have a pair of 27-inch screens, and I don't have enough room. <laughs> you expand to use the available space. Isn't that the way it goes? It's like living in a house. When you buy a house, I, I'm telling this to anybody who ever wants to go out and shop for a house. Don't shop for a house and say, oh, there's lots of storage. Shop for a house that has almost no storage. Then you'll be forced to get rid of all your crap and your baggage that you carry with you everywhere because you don't need most of it. You don't want right. storage. Storage just means places where you tuck stuff away that you forget about. Yep. Yep. That's right. You know, that, that's, that should be part of marriage counseling. Yeah. <laughs> like learn to throw crap away. Here's the thing. Once you get married, you really want to show you love your spouse and you trust them with your life. Let them go through your crap and decide what stays and what goes. And you go through their crap. I tell oh, you what. Wow. That probably end more marriages than anything else, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine that. That you know, sitting down and, and me looking at my wife's things, and 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 I, admittedly, in our family, in our household, I'm the one who has more stuff. I've got lots of stuff. I am yeah. a stuff collector. Now we're both kind of pack raddies, you know. I mean, we we keep a lot of stuff, but but yep. um, but if you go through the house, the stuff that's there. I mean, I have computers not just computer things computers that are 20 years old yeah now why on earth do i have a 20 year old computer it's like well it's kind of history you know yeah nobody wants well, it well and in fact see i have had yearnings for my commodore 64 ever since i, I got rid of it yeah know? i'm surprised the coco isn't the one that you you that one you were so fond of for so long that you know if you had that set up in your office where you could just go sit down and go tinker with it you'd probably spend days well, in there well, I'd get frustrated with it. It was not that easy to operate. These computers, I don't know. If you're going to have one, uh, I I would have just, all I would have used the Commodore 64 with, for was Comal. to, uh, to pro program in Comal. Yeah. That, that's it, you know, so I don't, I don't need that. I could put it on my computer if I wanted yeah. to. Add. Yeah, you could run Comal on your Mac or, uh, you know, they're, they're, it's available out there. Um, you know, yeah. it's, it's funny how... Um, how you know we we have fond memories of these older computers but if you ever sit down and try to use one of them you go like oh yeah th those were the early days they hadn't really figured everything out back then i right. uh, i got an emulation running on my mac of mac os 7.8 i think or something like that yeah um, and i and i got it up and running and i looked at it and went 
well, this is pretty awful. You know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I mean, I have a classic Mac that I could plug in. Still, Last time I plugged it in, still worked fine. I could run that if yeah. I wanted to. If I wanted to run, I think that when I had upgraded to Mac 9 or 8 point whatever, you know. So, I mean, I could, I could run the last version of classic Mac on it prior to OS 10, and it ran fine. Yeah. You know? Um, I had a Mac color laptop that I kid you not was three inches thick. Three inches thick? What do yeah, you mean? Yeah, like three inches thick. Those early Macs, I mean, the original ones had trackballs in them, but this one was one of the first ones that had a touchpad in the front. And the touchpad was, you know, marginally bigger than a postage stamp. It was a small little trackpad right in front uh, hmm. with, with click big click buttons um, below it. So, you know, the buttons weren't even integrated into the touchpad. Um, but it was a color portable Mac. And, uh, you know, these uh, these things existed. I still have them. They still work. But you got to question <laughs> why, right? Right. Yeah. And, and, and the old Altair 8800, you know. Yeah. Well, you finally have, donated that one, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I, I don't remember what happened to my Commodore 64. I think I... I just gave it away or sold it away. I I, th I, I think you donated it to the church when you moved, when you guys moved out of your house finally. I oh. think that was in the pile that went to uh your church to be sold at a at a Oh, yeah, a one church, of those things. Church's garage sale type thing so they could use it to raise money. I think it was in that pile because I seem to remember you saying you asked me because I of your kids I'm the one who would care about a computer thing and I went, "Nah, I don't need it." <laughs> I had long since gotten rid of my Commodore 64 and moved on to multiple other computers. Yeah. Are we are we recording or is that automatic? Oh yeah, yeah. We we're on. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I just didn't want you to forget it. Nope. <laughs> nope. I have an automatic backup. I have an app called Call Recorder that automatically starts recording as soon as I launch the 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 call now. So Oh, uh, is that right? So even if I forget to hit the button that streams us I will get that. And we're having issues with the streaming company. Uh, Mixler Pro is the company that I actually pay a fee to stream live. And then it also records the podcast. And um, for whatever reason, it's only getting my end of streaming right now. And mm -hmm. I have deleted the app and reinstalled the app. I've deleted Skype and reinstalled Skype. I've been online with their tech support, making sure I have everything set up. They say everything looks fine. It doesn't work. And yet other recording apps work fine. They suggested that I try one specific recording app that uses the same, apparently the same interface to get to the, the sound, to pick up the sound from Skype. And so um, I've downloaded that, and sometime today I'll test that and see if it works, and then are, share that with them. Are these all archived somewhere online? or? Uh, they're all, if you go to um, uh, generationtech.com, on, online, generationtech.live. Gosh, you asked me this thing. Go to Wakanda Broadcasting, and, and you'll find the link there. Oh, I, I've i never found anything online at Wakanda. Go to wakandabroadcasting.com. Uh, oh. Wait a minute. Is it to Wakanda Broadcasting? Why, why don't you send this to me in a text when we're done, or whenever? Uh, it helps if I can type broadcasting forever. So. Yeah. That's the easiest way to do it, and then I don't have typo errors and other things like that that can go wrong. I like to get it right from the horse's mouth. Right. 
it, the um, yeah, because if you go to Wakanda Broadcasting, uh, there are three um, uh, separate shows there, Back from the Brink, of which we've got 80-plus episodes. Um, Streamline, which is one that I only have a few, or I think I've only got one of right now um, that you can download, and Generation Tech. And both Back from the Brink and Generation Tech, if you go to any podcasting app and do a search, you should be able to find them there now, too. Oh, okay. And so you can download and subscribe to the... To the um, to the thing. I got you. The okay, I see it. Yeah. So that's there. So you had picked a few things uh, up as possible things to talk about. Um, apparently, there's a super slow mo that has been revealed in the I- iPhone 12 uh, features that is somewhere embedded in iOS 14. Now they already have a, a, a pretty super slow mo. So I don't know what this is going to buy for people that want even slower stuff. But uh, I guess if you want something really, really slow. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I forgot to bring my iPad in here, so I don't have my notes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all right. They're doing 120K, which is twice as slow right now. And I guess they're going to add 240K recording speeds, which means that it'll be four times slower than, than real life. And I have used the slow motion for recording kids doing like starts off of starting blocks when you're teaching that so that you can yeah. play it back for them. And I can even send it to them with a voiceover saying, you know, look at where your hand position is and you can see their body moving slowly in the water. Uh, 240 perhaps would be useful, but that seems almost too slow. Uh, the first time that I came out that was available uh, was when quite a quite a long time ago, and Katie wanted to do one of these things where you throw ice on people, you know, and get their uh-huh. reaction. Right. And have it, have it. Uh, the ice you know, bucket. It's a, self, it's a selfie kind of thing. Yeah. So, so we did that, and and uh, I cop captured that in slow mo, and then I went in and edited it so it was just the part that you cared about. That right. Uh, slow mo. Yeah. And uh, I haven't used it since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, when we did the ice bucket challenge thing, when that was a thing, uh, uh, Jensen and I did one as well. Um, but we did the, um, I have used the, the, and that's the 120 um, frames per second um, slow-mo, which is built into the phones and has been for a couple generations now. So that, this I, would be twice twice as slow. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they're saying 240 is what they're saying is would be available now instead of just the 120. And because 60 frames per second is standard here, so oh. I found the 120 was plenty slow for what I was doing. Because like I said, it was you know when you do it when you're trying to teach a certain action in sports, it's helpful to have a slow to slow it down so they can see exactly how they're moving. Um, yeah, you know, and maybe 240 would be useful, but that to me seems almost too slow. Let, it's let, like let let me tell you about super slow, Todd. I have some historical experience. Oh, I know there are much much faster high frame cameras than 240. Well, I, I I was witness to the ultimate. I don't think there's anybody has any faster. If they do, I don't know about it. And let me tell you the application. It was this thing that when I was on Mount Haleakala, Hawaii, we were in a building adjacent to the people who photographed the up close with the telescopic lens a hundred miles away. And it had these, this camera that presumably was the world's most frames per second. 
so that they could watch the nuclear explosion, you know, uh, just milliseconds apart, you know, each frame. And I don't, I don't know the specs. Okay, if I did, they were probably classified. But uh, anyway, uh, that was talk about slow motion. They were studying how the blast developed, and uh, now in con in connection with it was not in connection with that. I had actually had a, a, an opportunity one time because I had the clearance to see it, uh, an actual picture that I, I'm, I'm supposing was taken by that very same camera. Uh, and uh, it was phenomenal. It was just amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, between 1945 and 1962, the U.S. conducted 210 atmospheric nuclear tests. The tests were filmed at different angles with multiple cameras that could capture 2,400 frames per second. That's probably right. Yeah, yep. so it's been declassified. I mean, it's 1962. Um, I, yeah, I would bet that they could probably go faster than that now because remember then they were actually exposing film. Now it would be done digitally. Oh, oh sure, yeah. Um, but, you know, that gives you an idea of, uh, oh, well, here you go, massive explosive chain reaction at 200,000 frames per second. So, um, so yeah, a little bit of improvement. Yeah. So that, yeah. Okay. So you know that they can do go faster now. Um, uh, but even then to say that you could go 240 frames per second in the phone in your pocket is pretty amazing. Yes. It's pretty yeah. amazing. But if you ever watch like the science channel and stuff, you know, they'll show pictures of like a bullet going through a balloon and you can see how then the, the, uh, elastic of the balloon deforms and snaps back and leaves the right. water in the shape of the balloon there before then the water starts to fall. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's amazing to watch some of that stuff in slow motion. Again, I just, of, I just wonder how practical some of that is for actual use of somebody's, you know, phone. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, ballistics is another area, you know, if yeah. you're a gun person. The, the interesting part about that, though, is that they shoot it into this jelly. Right, yeah, and I've seen him do that. The reason is that jelly is the consistency of a human body. I mean, that's what it's meant to emulate. Right. Because oftentimes they want to see uh, that that's kind of the standard jelly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's called, it's called ballistic jelly, and it's designed exactly for that purpose, so that they can see how a bullet tumbles when it hits flesh. Yeah. Um, and what kind of damage it'll do, because some bullets go right through and do nothing, and others are designed to break apart and tumble as soon as they hit that in order right. to cause more damage. Um, you know, and it's gruesome stuff, but somebody's got to sit down and think about it and figure it out. This is how they do it. Well, the, well, the jelly isn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, no, and, I understand. And when, and when they do these tests, they do them with different uh, uh, lengths of jelly. Sometimes they're three foot, sometimes they're one foot, sometimes they're sure. two inches, you know, because they want to study some particular aspect of the yeah. The device. Yeah. No. And in fact, I, I read um, before they developed that jelly, they would use um, uh, pigs. They would get pig carcasses from slaughterhouses and shoot ah, them. Yeah. And then they would dissect those. But then you've got to do very careful slices to see what happened. You know, you couldn't see into it. Whereas the jelly is basically translucent. You can kind of see what happened just by looking at it from the outside. So it was a. Well, uh, they, they, have, they have the camera right at the edge of it so they can. Yeah catch no. the video as it happens yeah no. but i'm saying also after the fact you know they can go back and examine it anyway so that's a new new thing and 
you know, the, well, and it's the, and at this point, it's a rumor. You know, it's just because there is some code in iOS 14 that says that it's there for that doesn't mean it'll actually end up in the phone. Right. You know, so the way the way technology oftentimes works is. Uh, if you can gain in processing speed like if Apple's anticipating for their things they're starting to think about other things they can do and uh, you know just because they can do it still doesn't mean it'll be a feature of something but virtually a lot of this capability is free or seemingly free because you know once you got it working and it's there's yeah. some software involved with it you know you, you doesn't cost you very much real estate anyway yeah. in terms of production price. Yeah, but no. In, ter in terms of bragging rights and features and all that, you, you know, it just depends what the company wants to do with it. Yeah, yeah. It's like somebody says, well, do you want to bump this up from 120 to 240? And, and the guy says, well, you know, what's that going to cost us? He says, well, the parts are all capable of doing it now, and now we've got enough processing speed to capture the video, so nothing. And they go, well, then, yeah. <laughs> Right. You know, because I mean, if it costs, you know, if you have to pay an extra two cents per phone because you have to get a, a, a faster sensor inside the camera, well, two cents and, a phone times millions of phones that they sell across the world, they might say, no, we don't want to do that. And the, the wonderful thing about our, uh, the free enterprise system and the, having, giving these kinds of capabilities to people who think they don't need them, all you need to do is find one or two persons out there that has some unique thing they're trying to do and they say shazam that's yeah. what i needed you well know? and you know what will happen is i said i didn't see a lot of value in that but that's for me uh, apple will find a videographer who has a need for that and they will put together a beautiful video presentation when they when they talk about their new phone and say look at what you can do with this new feature you know yeah. in the hands of the right person it might be amazing so yep and, and then to each that, their own. Who knows, that, that capability may lead to somebody else's phenomenal discovery that helps us all. You just don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, to each their own. You never know. So, so that interconnection uh, is just uh, in, incredibly valuable uh, that we have today in our societies. Uh, that's, that's why you hate to see anybody tamper with freedom in any way. You know, in fact, uh, I just uh, was watching 60 Minutes last night and thinking uh, with this Panda Bear segment that they did, how we our scientists have cooperated with China and, and took uh, the panda from, you know, maybe under 100 um, out there, up to over 2,000 of them now, and they're actually uh, trying to introduce some, some of them after generations back into the wild. And, yeah. and I, how interesting that was that uh, you don't think about it but if you've been used to people feeding you, bringing your bamboo to you and all these other things, you've mm -hmm. been spoiled for so many generations, you don't know how to hunt or do anything anymore. So they've, they've got to actually re, gradually reintroduce the native behaviors of the, of the animal to try to get them back into the wild. Yeah. Yeah. So. It, it's very interesting. It's, you know, they, um, for a long time, the San Diego Zoo was known as the place in the United States that had uh, giant pandas and they yeah. no longer have giant pandas they sent theirs back because they're part of the breeding program to reintegrate them into the wild yeah yeah and and to think this all started with nixon now everybody thinks of only one thing when you think of tricky dick right and is it uh he, yeah he resigned before he was thrown out but 
nevertheless, uh, he did a good thing. He well, we sure. Had, we hadn't done anything politically with China for who knows how many years before that, and uh, suddenly that became a really important relationship. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, the idea was that. Uh, if we become mutually dependent on each other, we're less likely to point guns at each other. Although these days, that's questionable. Uh, yeah. You know, there's issues going on these days that make that all a little um, nerve-wracking. But uh, well, well, I think I think in the case of China, we're just in the uh, uh, an era of kind of rearranging things because for so long, uh, this country has just been a, a mama to everybody and was willing to just give everything away, but at a cost. And nobody re- recognized what that cost was. And, and ultimately, with a ever-increasing deficit every year, for years and years and years, uh, we'll just go down the tubes. Yeah. Well, and the, the, the Chinese people also are starting to assert some of their you know, newfound economic strength in the world. And... and, and Justifiably so, just as every country would and, and will, as they have some economic power and some, some um, you know, I mean, they've got a billion people there. Um, yep. You know, they they are going to be um, and, and continue to be uh, great partners, but also uh, great competitors when it comes to marketplaces. Yep. And so, you know, we've got to figure out how to work with them so that it's a win-win. Yep. Yeah, it's a it's a shame they got so aggressive. There was supposed to be what fifty or a hundred years of guaranteed uh, democracy in Hong Kong, and and they're getting anx- overly anxious uh, after mm-hmm. no more than what ten fifteen years ago that yeah that that agreement was made. Yeah, uh, I I have know? concerns about uh, about what's going to happen in Taiwan as well because they have long held that Taiwan is is you know part of their country. Yep. And and the Taiwanese people, who very definitively said we don't want anything to do with Chinese communism when when the communists took over. Um, well, well, you know, it's it's obvious what'll happen. It'll be it'll be just as bad or worse than than Hong Kong deal. You know. Well, I agree, and that's I guess that I, that's what I was saying without saying it. It was was that that my fears are that that's going to happen sooner than later, yeah. because they're going to they clearly are going to try to assert themselves there and they've gotten in a situation where um the their current leader you know traditionally their leaders serve for x amount of time and then one would step down and they bring in the next one but their current leaders basically set him up to be leader for life set himself up to be leader for life so he's not planning on going anywhere and i think that's a significant change within china that that has gotten glossed over in a lot of ways. Well, you see, another thing that's, that you know, gets back to us talking about tech here now is that China has, of all the industries that they could bring in, they have emphasized support for the tech industry, the electronics, both from a standpoint of sending uh, their people over here to get an education and spy on us and, uh, and uh, induce companies like Apple to come and build now, Google jumped out early on once, we, once they felt overly threatened by China. Uh, and I forgot what the deal was there, but the search engine. Well, they wanted, they wanted them to, 
to, to block a lot of search results. And, and Google just said, you know, that's not us. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and as for building stuff there, they induced, uh, you know, inducing Apple to build in China sounds like Apple was blameless here. They got induced to do it. You know, Apple no. made decisions and choices and said that's the cheapest place to build. Um, they are, they and their partners are moving very quickly to do a lot of building other places so they have second sources on stuff because they've seen the writing on the wall and how things are happening in China. And well, when, it when it comes to tech, as far as I'm concerned, the biggest blunder was, had nothing to do with electronics. It was medical supplies. I mean, mm -hmm. if you want to be independent in anything, you better take care of your health. Yeah. God, I couldn't believe what I read once this pandemic got started. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, the, the sad thing is, is it isn't over yet because the largest um, uh, factories for producing vaccines are all in China. So we find a vaccine that works. We want to mass produce it. We don't even have the resources to mass produce it here. Not well, at all. we do. We, Not, we do. We do. If we uh, just rearrange things, we've got too many, several small ones that can all be uh, they're all going to work on the vaccine for the flu. Well, yeah, for the COVID, not flu. But that, yeah, that, 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 yeah, for the truth. Yeah, but they and and clearly there. I mean, that's a priority, and that's what's going to happen. But we we do not have the production capability to have. I mean, it's not like they're going to find an answer and suddenly, you know, within a week or two, there's going to be uh, vaccines available everywhere. It's going to take a long time to produce them because we physically don't have space. And the other thing that's uh, that, that was shocking to me, I was reading the other day, is even if they produce them. We physically don't have the little glass vials to put the vaccine in because we buy those all from China. Hmm. So great, yep. we can make a bunch of vaccines, but how do we send them out? We can't send them out in five gallon vats. Well, so all, all of the supplies to go with any of this stuff is also critical too. So yeah, so the so whole supply chain needs an examination and, uh, and, and uh, re, uh, reworked. Yep. It just amazes me is how stupid we've behaved as a country in some regards. And and yet, you know, having been ex-military, where uh, in the business that I was in for my entire career, there was always this requirement in our uh, procurement to buy American. It was always there. So yeah. and all the critical stuff. Of course, I was dealing with strategic weapons. Yeah, which you don't want a so. you don't want a strategic missile not being able to launch in a silo because of a Chinese chip, right? Well, you don't want to even teach them how to do it, how to create the parts. Right. That's that's what we preserved. Right. You know. Well, you so. know, it's it's almost it, it, it it's a little sad in that the the um, there's a, you know uh, within our Within our society, there is a strong um, uh, thread of allow business to do business and keep your hands out of it and don't regulate them too much. You're right. Yeah. And, and that, I think, you know, it's like, it's, it's like a pendulum, right? And I think we, we let it go so far that, that now we've found out that some of this stuff we should have made, we should have forced businesses to stay here. And now we need to. To, yeah. You know, but we don't want to swing back too far the other way either. You know, we don't want too many too many government fingers in 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 our commerce. So you right. got to find that balance. But certainly, there's got to be certain areas that you that you deem as strategic areas, and you just say, 
you know what, we're, we're not going to let that go overseas. You want to do that, great, do it, do it here. You know? Yeah, one, one of the other areas that I, uh, nobody has talked about at all, and that's uh, rare uh, chemicals that are available in only a few spots in the world. Right. And there's three or four on a list of critical uh, elements mm -hmm. that uh, come out of China. Right. Now, there are others that come from other places in the world. So, you know, China doesn't have free hand just because they've got three or four, of, you know, but we've always got to have a negotiating uh, strength to access that if they want something they need, you know? So, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, yeah. Uh, well, it's and some, some of those rare earth minerals are, um, uh, you know, like you said, they're primarily coming out of China and they're used in making uh, some of the electronics that we make. And, and so they're, you know, that is a probably the, you know, the, a Trump card that not to, you know, use the word Trump, but I mean, a Trump card that China holds that we need to be aware of, because like you right. said, there are some other sources for some of this, but some of this stuff is, is almost exclusively theirs. Yep. And, and so we either need to find alternatives or, um, or figure out what's going on there. The, the other thing is, is that a lot of them are being mined in ways that are totally non-environmentally friendly and not healthy to the people doing the mining, but the Chinese don't care. They got, you know, we'll make, we don't care about being unhealthy to the people. We got plenty of people. We'll just get more. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, we'll I'm... take, we'll take Uyghurs and make them go mine. Uh, yeah, un unfortunately, but uh, to be honest, you know, we we can't stand back and say we're pure in that regard either. Oh, we're not. I mean, it's quite evident that during this uh, uh, COVID period that the poorest among us uh, are dying more because they've had to stay out on work, you know, and they got exposed. So the critical issues was there's always people picking up garbage. I mean, you can't, you can't stop doing that or everybody's going to get sick in a hurry. Uh, you know, the whole sanitation industry, uh, as well as a lot of the food industry, you know, you, you still had to, like all those meat plants, you, you, you know, those weren't executives running those plants, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Those were probably minimum wage workers. And so there's there's an in, inherent unfairness in every society. Yeah. Oh somebody's yeah. The, well, do the hard work, the dangerous work. And there's know? a whole bunch of countries out there that say, well, it's easy for the U.S. to be to now start complaining about you know polluting the world while we're mining these ores. You guys are already rich. You already you already did your polluting back in the 1800s when you guys were you know in the early 1900s. And now you're coming back and laying all these rules on us to say we shouldn't be doing what you already did, you know. Well, yep. we we want ours too. It's on our property. It's in our in our in our in our country. We'll do what we want, you know. And there's a certain amount of truth to that. Yep. Uh, I'm reading. I'm reading something here that says that 80% um, uh, of the uh, rare earth minerals in the United States are imported from China that a large number of these rare earth minerals are actually found relatively abundantly in their earth's crust. It's just that they're not mined in most places. So most of them are mined in China. It doesn't mean that they're not available other places. Well, uh, well, there's a lot, a lot of them in Africa, too. Yeah, Myanmar, uh, Australia, and the United States are the next three largest um, 
producers of, of a lot of these minerals. So we do have some home uh, resources there. Yeah. You know, and they're just saying rare earth minerals in general. They're not talking specific minerals. Right. Um, uh, I think if you get down to specifics, there are some that are more prevalent in certain areas than others. Yeah, if you took the whole uh, table of elements and, and you started uh, identifying uh, how many sources there are for each one and where they are, mm-hmm. that'd be an interesting uh, uh, table yeah. you could make. Yeah. But, I mean, at least what this article is saying is that the rare earths are a group of 17 elements used in production of a huge number of sectors, including renewable energy, technology, oil refining, <laughs> electronics, and glass. Um, and that, that you know, they, they're called rare earths, but that, that doesn't mean that they're actually rare. They're actually fairly abundant and that you can get them. The thing is, is that they're only set up to actually mine them in a few places right now. Um, but that seems to me like, uh, at least if, as I'm reading this, is that, you know that we're not um, totally dependent on China, unless we want to be, which is obviously something yeah. we don't want. But well, one of the things back uh, when when I was uh, dealing with the radiation uh, hardness business was uh, the, the old technologies that we discard actually uh, for a number of purposes uh, have been saved. Mm-hmm. A lot of people aren't aware of that. But uh, things like the salt mines in Hutchison, Kansas, is storage for a whole bunch of stuff. A lot of it, of which uh, nobody knows what it is. But I'm guessing that there's a whole room full of of cars, trucks, and whatever that run without electronics and no electronic ignitions and stuff. Mm-hmm. And and that's because they're they're not vulnerable to uh, to radiation. Yeah, well, the magnetic pulses we had talked about previously, right? It's like old cars with no electronics. Um, That's right. But all technologies like that, Mm -hmm. you've got to think about what it is that's detrimental that you lose when you go to new technologies. It's not all gain, you know? Right. Yep. Nope, there's positives and negatives. And, you know, there are some really elegant mechanical solutions to things that were done at the turn of the the you know 120 year 120 years ago at the turn of that century that yeah. um that are really cool and amazing and still perfectly functional um you know if you uh uh you know want to spend the time to uh investigate you know, is like even just like kitchen things, you can still get them from places like the Pampered Chef. But uh, we have, uh, when it's right. apple pie time, we have an apple po- core or peeler. This just, it's the coolest thing. You know, you yeah. stick stick the apple on the end and crank the handle, and it, I've got it one of those. Peels the it. peels the apple and pops the core out, and you're like, that's the easiest way to make sliced apple pie I've ever seen. That's we wouldn't make apple pie ever if we didn't have that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a yeah. lot of work manually chopping and slicing all those apples but yeah. that apple core peeler boy that sucker does its job quick and easy you know yeah. and that's just a simple mechanical thing but there's lots of cool mechanical things like that you know if you spend a little bit of time researching you can find a lot of interesting things like that that, that do jobs well that yeah. have been replaced with electronic <laughs> things now and you go well did we really need the electronic thing no and speaking of electronic things, I was reading an article. I didn't finish it, so I don't know all the details uh, about the new satellite that uh, China has put up. 
apparently they're duplicating, uh, I, I shouldn't say duplicating, it'll, it'll be totally independent of our geosynchronous satellites for navigation, but it's also communications as well as other purposes, and they didn't mention what all those other purposes were, but I can... It's spying! Absolutely. It's spying. It's 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 yeah. grabbing other people's signals. It's taking pictures of people on the ground. It's and, you name and it. The main thing this article was talking about is the proliferation of the radios that work with their systems throughout the rest of the world. I mean, there are all kinds of small countries that they are going to make dependent on them on them. Right. You know? That's that. Yeah. Clearly, because they're doing that. Because that's a big bargaining chip. You know, we have had everybody using our stuff for years. You know, well, not just ours, but other countries, democratic countries have, have worked with us on us, uh, these systems. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm expecting that uh, the United States should probably upgrade the design of our system, too. Mm -hmm. Because theirs, theirs is a, done a different way and probably for some important benefits. Yeah. Well, it's called the, the BEIDOU, B-E-I-D-O-U. BEIDOU Navigation Satellite Systems, the Chinese Navigation Satellite Systems. It's got two separate constellations of satellites. Yep. BEIDOU-1 is their navigation experimental system, uh, and it's uh, three satellites that began in 2000, offered limited coverage of navigation services mainly for people in China and Southeast Asia. Uh, but Bidu 2 uh, is going to be even further. So, so anyway, what, what we're saying is on some important critical infrastructure to modern society, we have a, a very capable competitor. Absolutely. You know, and, and most of uh, the people out there, including our congressmen and senators and and all don't even understand this. Don't even know it's happening, unless they happen to like to read tech articles. Yeah. You know. Did Did you read anything or hear anything about the 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 grilling of the four tech CEOs by the congressional group? Yeah. Well, everybody laughed about that because that, uh, obviously they they were being you know putting out their own political message, being an election year. Right. Uh, and most of what they were doing in terms of actual uh, you know benefit to us as citizens was zip it was nothing significant came right. out of this they weren't even asking deep questions well the thing is is that they you know obviously it's a lot of grandstanding anytime there's a public hearing there's always a bunch of grandstanding and like you said they have five minutes to talk and they spend four and a half of it saying what they want and then they ask a question uh, but what also becomes very clear as you watch that is very few of our elected officials even understand enough about the technology to ask relevant questions. Absolutely. I mean, they were asking Mark Zuckerberg about about issues with Twitter. And I, I, I thought to myself when that was going on is what we need is some tech savvy people running for Congress. I know. We don't have the capabilities that we need in our leadership. We don't. Country. You're right. We don't. We have. And I, and I hate to say a bunch of old people, but there's a lot of old people there whose idea of tech is, you know, a cell phone. Um, not yeah, even a smartphone, just a cell phone. And until that happens, I would take a serious look at the capabilities or get, you know, just get one tech guru on the staff of the President of the United States 
to basically look at the capabilities we currently have in the government in agencies like the FAA, FCC, uh, and you know all the telecommunications regulations that we have that are just totally nonsense. Uh, so we we you know a, a president needs some good advice on technology, but you know you got to get it from at, at, have at least one person that you trust in the White Office White House. But then they need a whole organization. Hell, if you got a Department of Agriculture, where in the hell's the the Department of of uh, Modern Technology? Okay, so we have that position. It's called the Federal Chief Information Officer of the United States. Oh, that, they, yeah, they always call them information officers. Well, to me, that's that's low tech. Uh, <laughs> well, we've had some very techy under people in there. Currently, uh, Suzette Kent, who's formerly a principal of Ernst and Young, is the federal oh. CIO. And oh. I don't know how techy she really is. I don't know much about Suzette Kent. Um, let's see. Uh, She's part of the Office of Management and Budget, which that tells me it's not a good thing. But, but, but they need to get some high-level guidance. She has an undergraduate degree in journalism from Louisiana State. Oh and, boy! And she, she served as she served as a principal of the Banking and Capital Markets Advisory Team at Ernst they, and Young. That's the problem. That's not tech. No. And here's just a fake front at, for some organization. Well with responsibilities that is that is the office holder that was put in by um, uh, President Trump um, well he needs he needs somebody to whisper in his ear and saying we we got a lot of issues that need to be deal dealt with as a country yeah you so see, you see you see the, 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 still. the first guy in the position was put in by Barack Obama that's when they created the position Vivek Kundra was the original CIO for the U.S., and uh, he had a master's degree in information technology from University of Maryland. Okay, my source of most of this stuff initially would be MIT. They are the tech company in this country and have been for generations. I wouldn't limit it to MIT. There's brilliant people no, who oh, work I'm, in tech all over no. the place. I, I, Stanford has got to have somebody there. And, and I would set it up with people on this board that runs this agency being from our chief universities, you know, in the research areas, so that they know got the latest and greatest. Well, you know, it would be nice if we could get um, uh, professors who maybe are, you know, cutting edge research on these things, but, but uh, universities have become so politicized that I think that a lot of them would say, thank you, I don't want to have anything to do with anything in our government because it's too political. Oh, well, that was just the next thing I was going to get to. I would not have any more representatives from the university than I would from the business industry. Okay? You've got about five tech companies that you Okay, you so you, you, want, you want us to use MIT, but you don't want any representatives from the university? Who are you talking about, students? Oh no, 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 no! I'm I, I don't know who in, at any of these places because I don't know any of them right now. But I'm just saying these are sources of of good technology. There's got to be somebody qualified that might be a professor. He might be a student. I don't know, but uh, you you there are places that you look for 
if you're interested in technology. It's like you can identify a school of journalism at the University of Missouri. You know, they're kind of near the top. They have been for years. That's their business. That's their bread and butter. And, and it's the same way in the electronics. You can say, here's some places where I want to look. And the same way with the tech industry. It's pretty obvious who some of those are. And, and you ask them to provide a representative to this organization somehow. And they can certainly afford it. And they'd love to be a part of it. They would be upset if they weren't a part of it. I, I would question whether they would love to be a part of it because of how politicized things are. I think there well, would be a lot of representatives from those schools who would say, no, thank you. I don't want anything to do with that. Let me do my research and I'll just, you know, you can read my papers. Uh, yeah. Now, there would be some who would be willing to go do it, but then those that are willing to do it might not be the ones that you would really want doing it, you know? Well, well, you're right. There's, there's secrets from each of the companies. Companies thrive on their own technology. I'm talking about colleges. I'm not talking about companies. I'm talking oh, about colleges. Co there's a lot college. of colleges that, you know, those those MITs and those Stanfords and the, well, and anybody, you know, Cal State San Bernardino's got a great uh, tech program that, that's got links to, you know, government tie-ins and stuff. I mean, there's lots of places out there that produce uh, very smart, well, here, capable people. How, here's how you do it. The government is has a history of, of sending dollars for research on all kinds of topics. And if you just go back and you look at where the government spends their money in education, you will find sources of technology. Yeah. That now that I don't people. disagree with. That I agree with is if if you if you're taking federal money to to fund research, then you should also be required to provide a certain amount of time to evaluate and provide uh, oversight for the government, so that the government can say, you know, here's what is happening in the world in areas that we need to be aware of and and stay ahead of. To be honest, though, I'm not certain that that's not happening. You know. Well, I don't it, know that what it, the the issue is what 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 level is it happening at, you know? Yeah. Is it happening at a level that say the president is aware of it? Probably not. Is it happening uh, at the level that that say the CIO of the United States, the federal chief information officer, is aware of it? Probably not. That person is probably mostly political. It's probably somewhere down below that. Probably what would in order to start this, you'd need to gather a group of retirees like myself that have uh, knowledge of a lot of places to look for certain kinds of things. Uh, and, and, and I would start with a bunch of questions. I could sit down and write a paper of questions that need to be answered. Yeah. For, for well, I, th today, I think, I think know? what we need to do is as, as, and this is hard to, to coordinate, but is support candidates who have a technical background. We need more candidates running in, in Congress, both Senate and the House, that have an understanding of this stuff so that they're not trying to equate the internet to a plumbing system um right be because we've had that you know and those right. guys they open their mouths and, and anybody who knows stuff immediately goes well that guy's a buffoon um you know and and yet they're making decisions about what we're doing out here and and a lot of what we're talking about is done by the nsa the cia and the military so you yep. know those company th those those groups are tracking what's going on in the world, and they're reporting back through their their reporting structure to our uh, 
politicians saying, here's what's going on and what we need to be aware of. The thing is that you have to have some basic understanding of the technology in order to take that information and make a good decision. And I don't believe we have enough people in Congress and, and in government that have that understanding. I mean, yeah. and, and, you know. and here's where I think should be the focus of this high level group is where are we going in technology? They need a roadmap. They don't have it. Okay. And, and they need good support for how to get there. You know, and that's that's one of the values of something at a high level is planning. And uh, they need the right people to do that. And yeah, they could be hired, but it needs to be done because that's where the questions are going to come. Mm -hmm. You know, because China's doing this, they're a central planning company. How? What do you do in response to what they're doing and, and, and what, you know, from the intelligence side, we know uh, about them and, and other parts of the world? Yeah. And that's a critical thing. Yeah. Well, they're planning and investing with a consistent plan. We swap out our leadership every four to eight years. And so ours is by nature very inconsistent because each new uh, group of leaders comes in with different priorities. And some stuff is carried over because it's the stuff is generally carried out by people like the NSA and the CIA and the military. And so, you know, there's a certain amount of consistency that comes from that. But, um, you know, we are at a disadvantage just because of our political structure. But I don't think that we should say, let's have a president for life just so that we can, you know, no. negate that advantage because it comes with other disadvantages, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, well, we it's already 11.50. What time did we start here? We started just a smidge after 8, so we've been going for just shy of an hour. Okay. And we went deeply political today, political with some tech, but, uh, yeah. You know. oh, I, was just, I was just surprised when I looked up here and saw what the clock said. <laughs> Why should you be surprised? We talk <laughs> like that all the time. I guess I'm having fun, Todd. <laughs> it's a good thing, right? You know, when you look yeah. up and it's like, wow, more time went by than I thought. That means good. I was engaged. My brain was, was, was working. Yep. Yep. Was working. Well, that's the fun. That's the fun thing about this. You know, we have a history of doing this, whether we need to or want to on or. Yeah, you know, this is not, well, the, you know? the whole the whole point of that, of starting this up as a podcast was that hey, we have these conversations anyway. Let's uh, let's record them and share them with the world because we talk a lot about you know what's going on currently in tech and things like that. I know there's a lot of interest in that, um, so hopefully you know people are downloading the podcast and subscribing and they like what they're hearing. Um, you know, being a weekly podcast, I think this is only our fourth or fifth recorded episode, um, but uh, but you know uh, we'll see how it goes over time. I'm enjoying doing it. I like I like just having scheduled time to sit and talk, you know, as yeah, opposed that's, that's to cool. otherwise you and I'll go like a month sometimes and not talk at all. And then we can't remember some of the stuff we wanted to talk about that popped into our head, you know, when, <laughs> when we read about it three weeks before. So yeah. uh, I was just curious as to I've been playing with my little app here. It says react. So I I, it up I saw it and, and I and I get a big red heart on my screen when you when you do that. Yeah. And there's another one, share screen. I can share it 
where on, on the internet or I think what it no what it's doing is it means that you would share your screen to me so I could see what's on your screen oh I see so I could have another screen with something in it I got you so yeah okay. so like if you were working on a document or had a chart or something that you wanted to share with somebody while you're talking you can do that here I'll try oh. sharing screen because I have stuff up on my screen so let's see how that works oh. Oh, I see the screen recording thing came up there, too. And share screen giant permission to share your screen. Okay. Oh, I I've got, got I've got two different screens, so I have to pick which one I want to share. <laughs> and I can I can pick a particular topic like uh, like there. That's my browser. Can you see that? Oh, I, I have to. So share screen's not a great way to uh, to go, <laughs> apparently. I don't know if that's a glitch or if that's a, a, a feature. <laughs> <laughs> Depends how you want to sell it, right? Yeah. Uh, I just pulled down a little thing that says add to call, and then you can add in something, and it looks like, oh, I see. I've got other people from my phone messaging right. here. Yeah, so if we want to do more than a two-way call. And it's got a, and it's got a dial pad if I wanted to bring them in that way. Well, like I've invited um, – uh, Jensen and Alex to join us at different times. So if they're ever free and available, they may join us. But, um, uh, you know, so that's how we would do that if they wanted to join us. Okay. So, anyhow. Um, so I have started a free trial of this email app called Hey. Now, did you read anything about Hey? Uh, they had an issue with Apple and the App Store recently. H-E-H? H-E-Y. Hey, like, hey there. Oh, okay. No, I don't know about it. Okay, so their issue with Apple was that they, um, they, they sell email as a service. So you subscribe to their service. So they put an app on the App Store to attach to their service. It was free. You just download the app. And Apple rejected the app. Apple said they rejected it because when you download the app, it doesn't do anything. That you have to have an account with Hey before it does anything. And Hey said, well, they sign up with our account and then it attaches to our email. And they went, well, you can't do that. And Hey said, well, that's what Netflix does. You download an app and it does nothing unless you have an account with Netflix. And Apple said, but yours doesn't do anything. And they refused to let it on this app store. So uh, the, the Hey went public and made a big stink about it within a lot of the tech papers. And uh, in the meantime, they were talking with Apple. And what they ended up doing was they set it up so that you would get 30 days free. So you would get email through them for 30 days for free to use their email app. Apple then allowed it on the, on the uh, app store. And then at the end of the 30 days, or actually I think they made it 14 days. At the end of your 14 free days, then you either don't have email with them anymore or you have to subscribe to their service. But you subscribe to their service through them. You do not subscribe through the app because if you did that, you'd have to pay 30%. They'd have to pay 30% to Apple, which they don't want to do. Yep. And, and so Apple's been catching a lot of flack for, for treating people unfairly. You know, Tim Cook famously uh, in, the, in the chat the other day, and he caught a lot of garbage for this too, uh, when he was talking with Congress, said, we treat all of our app developers the same. Well, that's patently a lie. They allow uh, um, Amazon to pay a lower fee 
to be in the App Store in order to get Amazon to put Amazon's uh, Prime Video on the Apple TV. They wanted it on their, on their Apple TV, so they gave them a 15% instead of 30% right off the bat. And then clearly, Netflix does not sell subscriptions through their app. You have to go get a feed, you have to go get a, a an account with Netflix. So if you download the Netflix app from the App Store, it does nothing. So clearly, they don't treat everybody the same. Um, you know, uh, Apple, well, and and uh, and you know, they're a big giant company, and when when another big giant company puts pressure on them, they change their rules. But to have Tim Cook sit in front of Congress and say we treat everybody else the same, I mean, why lie? Why not just say? Well, you know, we treat we have a, a standard set of rules we apply to everybody, and on certain occasions we have negotiated differences with companies when they have something we want. Yeah, if you've got leverage on us, we'll we'll behave differently. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially it. I mean, but but that's business, right? Of business, course, that's, business, that's the way business works. Businesses negotiate with each other, and and so I don't know why you didn't just say that instead of just we treat everybody the same because that was patently false. Yep. So I don't understand it. But that said, uh, I have signed up for my fourteen free day, free, free day, fourteen day free trial with Hay, and they really do email differently. So what I did is I signed up for Hay, and then um, I'm not using the Hay email. What I'm doing is I'm forwarding my five other emails to Hay, and I'm using it as a way to read my email for five days, just to see how it goes. So I have. Everything being forwarded to Hay. And first of all, they have what they call an inbox, I-M-B-O-X, instead of inbox. The inbox means it's important. This is your important box. And mm -hmm. what's shocking is, having used this thing for now all of three days, my inbox is empty most of the time. I have anxiety over the fact that I don't have a bunch of emails sitting there. I have to get over the fact that I don't have any email because what it's doing is every time I get a new email from somebody I've not gotten email before, I have the option of doing a couple different things. I can say, send it to my inbox because it's important and I want to read it whenever an email comes from this source. Send it to the feed, which is sort of like a, a, a newsletter type of thing. So it's like I, I basically can scroll down and read everything, but it's stuff that's I don't want to throw it away, but it's not important that I read it right away. So, like, I get a daily news or a, a news update on Mondays for the week, or what what happened over the weekend, kind of thing. Um, I get um, a thing from USA Swimming that that's you know information that they send out. Very seldom is that ever something that needs urgent attention, but it's something I do want to go back and read occasionally. And then there's a thing called Paper Trail, and that's for anything that has like a receipt or a purchase or a uh, like tickets that I've bought, you know, uh, or or. Um, uh, uh, delivery information, that kind of stuff. You're, you're just you're just talking about an income sorting system, right? And but 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 it's so easy to do because they've got it all preset up for you. And once you click on it, it's done. And if you, I, and, and I, your and your third and your fourth option is thumbs down. This is something I'm screening out. And once you screen it out, you never see it again unless you choose to go look at the screened out things. And then they have yeah. a very good, smart spam filter on top of that. So the spam comes out of it right off the top. Guess guess what the next big feature in uh, Apple Mail is? Easy sorting. Of course. So 
Yeah, it's not anything that anybody else couldn't do, but nobody else has done very well. They will now. They will. Well, if, they will they, do it. if this continues to, if this takes off, the, uh, but the, the, this is pretty interesting. It's, um, and it works well. They've already got clients for every major platform, uh, also web-based. Um, they've also got a few other features. You can uh, set aside something. So you can always, like, pin it and, and come back to it later. Um, yeah. you can oh, say, it's a hell of a good idea. The it, problem with the, with my email now is I think I have close to 15,000 uh, mails. You know, I, it's, it's just ridiculous. And a lot of them are blue. I've never even answered. You know, they could tell right away if I care about somebody or not. I, I don't ever delete an email. Most people uh, don't anymore. But the thing is, you still look at it and have to read through and sort what you want to see. Decide what you want to open and not open every day because you don't have good filters saying. Right, I, I don't, right. And this gives you real easy to use good filters on the Absolutely. front end. And I wasn't, I, I wasn't done talking about features, though. You keep, you, you, oh. So let me finish talking about some of the features. Okay. Um, so you're allowed to uh, set aside things. Um, you can always look at all files. You can reply now or you can reply later. And, it, and you, when you say reply later, then it gives you a couple options for how much later do you want to wait to reply to something. So that, you know, if you want to talk to somebody else, like say somebody says, hey, you guys want to come out to dinner. I don't want to reply right now, but I don't want to lose it. And what it does is it sort of pins it at the bottom so I can see it real easy that it's, it's pending a decision. Um, you know, and then I can go talk to Elaine and say, hey, you know, do you want to go out to dinner with so-and-so or something like that? Um, it, when you go to your contacts within this, it always takes everything you've seen from that contact and lists it all right there. So I can like type in a name of a person and then I can see everything that they have sent me if I want to. I can change the name uh, or the text that's in a subject field of an email that somebody sends me and it doesn't change anything for them, but I can put something in there that means something to me so I can find the thing later. So, hmm. so I can modify it to suit what I need. Yeah, it's it's just aids to to look through a whole bunch of haystack of tr all yeah, kinds of crap. It's the first time I've seen somebody. Them. It's the first time I've seen somebody actually put this all into one client that works well for emails. Yeah. Do, do you thing, know the other thing that it does is um, I can um, take like if I have three different emails from somebody, but they're all sort of talking about the same thing. I can put them all together into a single stream. So that, and again, from the other end, that doesn't change anything for the person sending emails to me, but allows me to see everything in context. Mm -hmm. So uh, just some really handy tools for making email. Yep. And I, on the average, get about 200 emails a day. 90% of them or 99% of this junk I don't care about or stuff that I'll read every once in a while. And in a matter of three days, I have these all so easily and well sorted that my inbox sits there empty most of the time. And like I said, it's weird that I actually have some anxiety because my inbox is empty. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I can, I can understand that. I have literally gone to my old email client, the mail app on, on Apple, and looked at email to see if there's something that I'm missing. Because I'm like, there's nothing in the inbox. So I go back and look through it, and I'm like, well, darn. Nope, there's nothing here. I don't need it. It's good. <laughs> yep. I, you know, I, I like this, the same kind of thing for phone calls. I, I tell you, there's so much crap. I'd like to just with Siri say, 
you know, and I'm not going to say it here, but get her attention and say, uh, only, uh, let phone calls from my, uh, phone book or whatever it is, the address book, mm-hmm. uh, and, and those that are in the local area. In other words, local calls, I don't, I get them a lot, but I don't know what they, who they are, but I definitely want to know who they are. Right. Well, unfortunately, a lot of those local calls, air quotes local, are advertisers who know that people don't take calls from outside their area. And so they fake numbers for you to make you think it's somebody in your area calling. Well, that's possible, too. But you, you kind of have to go through those to sort out, you know, and, and, and then if it's a, if it is an important person, get it in your box, you know, and, and that always should be easier too, you know, just say this is a good number uh, without having to create a, uh, a, another entry into the address book, you know? Yeah. So all of this needs to be made easier to use whenever you have people that mul- multiple access from the outside to you. And I'm talking phone address messages, everything that comes in and tries to grab some of your time. Give me some help. Smart help. Yeah. No, we you're right. This is great for the for the email inbox and I'm glad that they thought this. But we need the same kind of hooks for for managing phone calls and sorting that garbage and text messages cuz I mean, and, I don't know about you, I'm starting to occasionally get um garbage text messages. I get one from this. I went to a I don't even know how they got my name. I don't remember giving them my information, you know, like my email address. But there's a place in town here called Kebab Hut, and it yeah. serves Persian and uh, and um, and it's kebabs and stuff, and it's actually pretty good. But I they they sent me you know I like uh, on the 28th, the 21st, the 17th, the 5th, yep. uh, the you know I yep. mean I get texts from them about once a week saying enjoy 10% off on all online orders and deliveries at Kebab you, Hut, and I'm like you, I, I don't you, want that you, text. You, you you jumped in on my conversation is just what I was going to, why I lumped all those together. They all have the same problem. Yep. Okay. So I, I think that really don't need a separate email and a message account. You know, uh, when it goes out, there's certain benefits to knowing that it's going to buy, buy a snail mail or not snail mail, but email, which is slower than, and uh, text messages, and it, and you can't have big attachments. So there's there's discriminators that everybody should know when you want to send something. How do you, which one to use? Uh, you don't want to call somebody in the middle of the night and wake them up. You know, uh, you might do that with a with a message, but you will never do it with an email. You know, messages are so, sometimes are viewed as urgent. Uh, so you, you that. Those are the distinctive qualities of each of these things, but they all have the same problem on the inbound side. Yeah. Well, and the thing is too, I mean, there's been ways to, to mark something as urgent. I don't trust the person sending it to me to know what is urgent to me. That's right. You know, cause you get things from some people that are always marked urgent and right. then, you know, and then other people when it's actually urgent, never use the marker urgent cause they just don't use the technology very well. Too much well, of our that- technology is still, still requires 14 clicks to make it work, you know? Uh, just right. watching uh, uh, Elaine get ready for teaching school, and, you know, they're, like they're, they're using Google Classroom for some stuff. 
And so she sets something up for one classroom. Now, you would think she'd be able to say, okay, I'm teaching this same class six times. I should be able to take what I just set up and copy it to six different places and be done. But no, she had to manually go in and set it up in multiple places. Uh, you know, it's like, there's too much of this stuff is like not, the people who design it aren't using it. It's like, dang it, use your own software and you'll see how awful this is. Right. You know? Sit with a teacher who's trying to teach using your software. Sit with a person who's trying to send a text message and use, you know, and, and too many times programmers, I'll, I, you know, I, I, I love programmers, but I have worked with them and then hired them in the past. I'll never forget the guy who told me that he had, he had done with the programming assignment. And I went and looked at it. He had been working on it for three days. And he goes, oh, I did that the first day. And I said, well, show me what you've got. And he showed me a text line input. He says, see, it processes it fine. I said, yeah, but there's no user interface. The people who have to use this software have to have a user interface. And he goes, oh, well, that won't take very long. I said, you're wrong. That takes longer than solving the problem of how to do the issue. You know, you solved the problem the first day, and that was maybe 10% of the work. Maybe 10%. You've yeah. got 90% yet to do because you haven't done any of the real work, which is figuring out how to make something that that person over there who knows nothing about computers can use this wonderful piece of software you just wrote. Yep. Yep, that's exactly right. And that sounds like this is just an area that's ripe for Apple. And, and uh, you know, I... I'm just sitting here on pins and needles waiting for that upgrade to come out, you know? Well, have you read anything saying it's actually coming out? I don't believe it. No, no. But, but the way they've worked in the past is that if anybody complains, then they get some, they get on it and, and they understand it once you brought it in, you know, at well, least that's what they made their reputation on. I don't know if they have any of those people around anymore or not. They've always been pretty good at seeing when somebody has a better idea on how to do something and then saying, okay, maybe we need to think a little differently about how this works and not necessarily copying the better idea, but taking that then the next step further. Right. They're good at that. That's something that Apple has done uh, for, you know, in fact, they've made their bones at it, quite frankly. They're not the ones who generally have gone out and broken new ground in brand new areas with new tech that nobody else has done. They study all that stuff and they let somebody else go out and learn and make mistakes. And then they go, okay, from what we can see, this is the better way to do this. Let's now see if we can make a business opportunity out of that. Right. Well, that's, that's what I'm hoping they'll do. Oh, so we will see. We will see. I, um, have the, uh, the, um, beta, loaded on my laptop and and I've, uh, for, for the next Mac OS, and I've got the beta on a backup phone, not my primary phone, on my, um, on my, um, that other phone, the iOS uh, beta. So I'm, mm -hmm. I've played around with them a little bit. I haven't found anything that's earth shattering like that yet. Um, that said, I know that they've made some improvements in mail. That's one of the things they're working on as well as messages. Um, but I don't think they've had that, that sort of world turning sense of, oh, here's a whole new way to approach this yet. And it would be nice if they could get there. Mm -hmm.